to start the podcast when I'm jamming out too hard. <laughs> Hey, welcome into the DNVR Gaming Podcast brought to you by WGT Golf. You can get it totally for free at dnvrgolf.com. One of the most beloved golf games in all the world. Not is it totally free, it's totally fun. And you, like I said, get it at dnvrgolf.com. Play closest to the hole or full stroke play on all kinds of world famous golf courses challenge any of us here on the dnvr staff or a bunch of folks out there in the dnvr community have a good time with it whether you get hardcore into the top golf stuff or you just want to play while you're standing in line somewhere either way it's good fun for you and we are back i am your host drew creaseman joining me are nathan rudo rudolph and aj aj hayfley here to discuss video games again for uh, the first time in a minute because, well, for a minute there, we were all covering the playoffs at the same time. Uh, it's been a little bit of a unique year. We'll probably not ever do that again, though we'll see uh, how, how that ends up going. Now, for this episode, though, we do want to dive right back into sort of the big main topic in the gaming world right now something we've all talked about just with each other and now with the news in the last couple of days of a, a several week delay from cyberpunk 2027 a game that has been delayed several times it allows us to talk about this modern era where games are becoming much more expensive to make much more difficult to make require much more man hours to make and we're all becoming much famili more familiar with a term known as crunching, where workers have to put in insane hours to try to meet deadlines, which either can create a situation where games get released way too soon and oftentimes therefore broken, or we have these delays and people get mad that the game they've been anticipating or sometimes like scheduling a day off of work or, or, or getting ready to buy for somebody for a, a birthday or Christmas or whatever, all this stuff gets delayed and so it, it, it creates this very difficult to assess situation aj this was uh i know that's something that you've been wanting to talk about for a while you know where did you first really start coming into this part of the conversation we've all been gamers for a long time i'm not sure i could put my finger on the moment where you know i went from somebody who just cared about when the games came out and whether or not they were good versus somebody who now recognizes there's a whole group of people that have to make these games under certain circumstances and conditions. And we should maybe be giving a little bit of thought to those people. Yeah. You know, uh, workers rights, you know, and, uh, how that impacts the development of games is certainly one of those things. that has been a louder conversation in recent years. Um, it's something that I think has become a lot. It's, it's really come into play a lot more in the last couple of years as, People who worked on major projects, you know, we've seen major studios like Naughty Dog where people are just pissed. You know, they 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 come out and they talk about it and they they're like, hey, this is not. You know, this this is not acceptable working 18 hour days for eight straight months. We've got a you know, and, and sometimes I'm at work and I'm waiting for this 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 guy to finish this thing and this guy that guy's waiting for another guy and it just kind of it it just sort of trickles all the way down right and spirals into these dudes 
working insane amount of hours and you know you're you're sitting there thinking you're like god given the work that they're doing how much they're making the the hourly rate that they're getting paid is garbage right now i mean it's just it's terrible right yeah um i i have way more issues with pay rates and job security in the in the business than i do with crunch like crunch isn't good obviously like in a perfect world there would be no crunch but in the same world where you have super crunch you get the job done and then half the staff gets laid off like that's where the problem is for me totally right like yeah it's interesting because we all have our own unique experience with this because well in order to basically in order to get a job in sports at some point you're going to have to work long hours for sometimes actually no pay sometimes next to no pay uh, you know, sometimes putting it off and expecting it at a later time. And and we have all dealt with that where you work out of the, the, the passion of it. It's a, it is a labor of love, but you do expect at some point for there to, to come a, a, a sustainability from it. And I think that's, what's so weird about the, the gaming industry now is, is as Rudo was just saying, it's like these people who they're not paid well, but then are just laid off. It'd be one thing if, if, if the time crunch came, up and then you got some time off and continue to get paid but um it it is amazing to me the way especially you know consumers continue to insist that video games only be 60 dollars a pop despite the fact that they're 10 times what it cost to produce back in the day um you know i i think to some degree aj the the responsibility is going to have to fall on all of us to pay a little bit more for our games uh but still the company's got to pay people better yeah, um, and I think uh, we're we're already seeing that. I mean, you think about consoles and uh, how the the price has gone up and inflation all around us, right? Like every, uh, how long have we been paying sixty dollars for new video games? It's, right. it's been like a decade of this, yeah. and because I mean, even even uh, even even back when you know in the nineties when we were all kids. Like we were paying fifty bucks for games, and somehow the price of games has stayed the same. At the same time, like it's you know, if you're asking me to pay a hundred dollars for a game, that game better be really, really, really damn good. Right. I don't, you know, me personally, I don't buy new games anyway. Uh, right off, right off the shelf, because very rarely is a sixty dollar price tag going to be worth it to me at this point in my life. But. I do think that the 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 rising the 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 cost of games is going to be on the rise, especially for AAA titles. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 they're just going to have to be right, like you said. But I, I'm with you. There, there's got to be a, a middle ground there, um, and and I also think that you, there just has to be an expectation, like you talked about at the beginning, how long it's going to take games to make sometimes, and. Uh, this is easy to say somebody coming from a, a, you know, where my favorite franchise has conditioned us to this over the last decade and a half where final fantasy games now take half a decade to make. And that's just how long they take. And like, you know, well, uh, yeah. And you talk about triple a titles, that's how long they used to take. And then you got companies like Activision that rolled in and decided 
they were going to squeeze every single dollar out of every major franchise. Yep. They were going to dedicate multiple studios to annual titles. And the, the, they changed how the business was run. And because if you still look at the serious developers, you look at the ones that are consistently putting out the absolute best products and they don't like they don't miss, right? You're talking you're talking Nintendo as a developer. They make one Zelda game per console. Like there's right. one. I you mean, know, Rockstar. Rockstar has made. You know, Rudo. You and I were talking about this the other day. Yep. Rockstar has made like six games in twenty years. Yeah. The you know, is, like the hard part about that is those companies are not exempt from the crunch. CD Projekt Red, notoriously one of the worst companies yeah. in the industry about crunch, where they make The Witcher, pretty much, and now yeah. Cyberpunk coming shortly. So, it, yeah. despite them not being, you know, borderline actually Satan himself, it's still an issue. Right. It's, yeah, and it, yeah, you're right. It It doesn't totally solve the issue it's um uh, and i do think the answer because there's always going to want to be people just like in sports it's the same thing where there's always going to be people who want to do it for the love of it there's always going to want to be people who want to work on video games because who doesn't want to work on video games (laughs) like that sounds awesome if i wasn't doing this i'd want to be doing that but we've got to I, i think one of the things that you know, as somebody throughout my 20s, either made my income through music or sports writing. So it wasn't exactly regular flow of cash. Um, you know, and I, and I think that there's a lot of people out there who at the time would have said, hey, man, those are the things you chose, right? Like you chose to go after those yeah. things. Those industries aren't viable, whatever. But, you know, we're starting to learn more and more in, in the real world that there are a lot of industries that can't survive a slight hiccup. And aren't necessarily uh, that viable and that we should be trying to do what we can for anybody who can make work of any kind out there to be sustainable. That you're working for a, a living paying wage and that just because companies can get away with paying you less than you're worth because you'll do it out of the love doesn't mean that they should be allowed to. I I'm not necessarily video game related, but I truly love that we are living in a golden era of of things like Patreon, of things <clears> like <throat> Twitch donations. Yeah. Where content creator haven. Yeah, if you have the audience, you can survive off of it. Yeah. Right. It's it's amazing because you think about you think about I mean, Drew, when we when we started PSN. I mean, think about it, man. Like yeah. way back in the day, if if we had had Patreon from day one, hey, sign up and get our work. Like, hey, you know, we, we're going to provide this for free, but if you guys want to support us, $5 a month, just think right. about, like, think about right. how different that could have been for us. You know, how how you and I would not have had to to fight for paychecks and fight to fight to be getting paid on a regular basis and how different it was. You know, yeah. it's 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 crazy to me that we I mean it's still crazy to me that we are where we are today. Yeah. Uh and and still growing and still getting bigger and expanding into different things so we can do shit like talk about video games at 11 a.m. Right. <laughs> you know, it's that's it's crazy to me, but 
it's a, like Rudo has a great point that content creators have more avenues for cash flow than at any other point. Right. Ever. And like a, a single person can make a game like Undertale or Yeah. Uh, and the, like there are people out there who do that. They because they can just release a game on Steam for two bucks. If it's any game, you know, or if it's any good at all, they'll make enough money where that's what they do. You know, I knew a guy that did something like that. Right. Well, and and the people that have the ability slash the passion for, for doing that, if they apply to one of these companies like EA or, or even, unfortunately, a, a company like Blizzard now, they're going to go, you're way overqualified and we can't afford to pay you. Right. We can't pay you market price because your experience is too much. Yep. We need we need somebody on an entry level position that doesn't know what they're getting into. Right. And and to be honest with you, it's we need somebody that we can exploit. Straight up. And like I'm not gonna, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that every industry is a is better than that. You know, we're you absolutely want to try and find people who will work on the cheap for you and give you quality work. Hell, we work in sports. You look at baseball's arbitration system. That's exactly what it is. Right. You look at hockey's entry-level contract system. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. We need cheap labor to exploit. Right. And gaming, I mean, gaming companies are, are the exact same thing. They have the same exact problems as the rest of us. My, my frustration, just speaking as somebody who has worked 18-hour days and has worked a lot for not a whole lot of money uh, in my, in my adult life is that, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if it's a passion project, if it's something like DNVR, BSN back in the day, you know, it, it's different. It's a lot harder to go home and complain about that at the end of the day. And when I building towards something, right. We signed up for that. Right. Like we signed up and we were like, look, we understand that if we were to calculate how much we're getting paid per hour, it's going to be like 93 cents. (laughs) Great. You know, I don't, I don't tend to think about that when I'm working to that hour, but you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, like this is something that I voluntarily signed up for and game developers you know, I don't I, people there. Of course, there are going to be people that work at these companies that that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to make games. Right. So, well, and the game, the unions is a great point, but an NHL player making 600 K that's compared to market value that yeah. well, and, but if you're that's, you have to be in the NHL to do that. If you're on an ELC and you're in the AHL, you're making 70 K. That's a that's a good living, but your opportunity earning window is maybe maybe a handful. It's of years, maybe yeah. a decade if you're lucky, and three of those years you just spent making seventy thousand dollars. You you've made good money, yeah. I, and seventy thousand dollars is like the top two percent of players. I mean, if you're in the ECHL, you're making minimum wage. Basically. Yeah, you're making thirty grand a year playing hockey. Playing yeah. hockey. <laughs> good lord. Oh, so, wow. yeah, like it, it, this, it, it happens like that. That drop off happens very, very quickly. Yeah, in, it's sort of related as we're kind of talking minor league sports. So I, I, I feel like the movie industry had this massive problem 
kind of in the early, well, really in the 2000s, the decade from 2000 to 2010. And where before that, it was basically you're a huge blockbuster movie or you're a guy with a shaky cam out there. And if you remember, there was this time where uh, all of these like subsidiaries of the big movie companies started popping up as their version of like indie film, like Fox Searchlight and shit like that, right? They were like, it's still Fox, but it's a smaller like group of people somewhere. And it's like we were talking about earlier where the qualified creative either has to totally be self-sustained or, or like crowdfunded um, or there's no place for them at the big company. And I would love to see, and you know, how much can we trust EA at all to, to do this properly, but it, it would be cool to see if they had like the big studios who have the resources. And as somebody pointed out here, Dylan, like the, the IPs, that's one of the biggest things, right? Is like, yeah. EA owns all the Star Wars shit. So if we want a good Star Wars game, I'd feel much better if they like created a separate studio that was like an independent studio run by like 10 to 15 people. Maybe it takes a bit longer and they've got like indie developer mentality, but blockbuster developer, AAA developer resources. I mean, it's a nice idea. Right. (laughs) The thing is that doesn't exist, right? These big, (laughs) these big companies, when they buy something, their goal is to make money out of it. They don't care. I don't want to say they fully do not care about the quality of the product because they do care about it at a basic level, but they don't care about producing the best product. Right. It's secondary. Yeah. right? Right. Because they know like they'll sell it if it's got, whatever on it right um you, you would hope that if it X. was really good they'd sell more but it's uh, i was i forget which youtube video i was watching but it, it's very true that these bigger companies will buy up these smaller ones or at least partnership with them where they're taking some of the income value right and they will run that on credit they will say you created this name we're going to take advantage of that and suck it dry for every single dollar that we can. Not only sucking it dry from the fan base of the game that will buy it on name recognition alone, but the topic of today's show, they will work that company to the bone. They will give them a hard deadline and they say, you have it done. Whatever's done by this date, you're releasing it. We don't care if it's completely broken. Yeah, that's... uh... Uh, and, and I do think that that's the other side of it. I, and and I think that, you know, we talked about uh, audience responsibility earlier. And it's like, will we have to accept like paying a little bit more for game? Those yeah. two things could go hand in hand because it's like, like AJ said, we'll be willing to pay more for games. And this could maybe even be what forces the game industry into doing this. But we're going to have to be more selective, right? If I'm paying 70, 80 bucks for a game as opposed to 60 well, then it better be quality. Then I'm not going to buy it just because it has Star Wars or Pokemon in the title. Like, it right. better, um, you know, it better be a quality product. So, that yeah, that would be interesting because the only way to solve that problem is, and, and I always struggle with this because I hate telling people, especially when they legitimately enjoy a video game that hasn't reviewed well and the consensus is like, screw that game. They're like, I had a really good time. Like, I hate telling people that they should feel bad about a video game they enjoyed. But the only way to stop companies from exploiting that exact dynamic you just laid out is for people to stop buying crap. Don't buy it. It's 
speak with your wallet. It's it's that simple. Um, yeah. And it, it's it's kind of like the lesser evil of two options, right? It's like if you don't buy the game franchise, the game franchise might die. Right. But if you do buy the game franchise, you're going to watch it become a husk of what it was and sell out entirely. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. And you know, it's interesting that the franchises I just named a minute ago have in the last couple of years released both really good and really terrible games. Uh, you know, the, the star Wars uh, Jedi fallen order was by most accounts pretty dope. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I, but there have been some awful, embarrassing Star Wars failures. Um, shoot, now I'm blanking on the, the shooty shooty ones. Uh, Battlefront. Battlefront. I, I, I wanted to scream yeah. Rogue Squadron. I'm like, no, not the fly fly, the shooty shooty. <laughs> um, yeah, the Battlefront games were just embarrassing, right? Pokemon had kind of the same thing where Sword and Shield were just blah. But the the new, like, actual update to the franchise, the new colors, can't remember, whatever, dope. <laughs> and so it's like, I don't know, man, how to, because just releasing one good game and then a, a slew of crap ones is also not a great solution. To the it, it's, it's a legitimately hard thing to tell. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, sports games franchises are the absolute worst at this. It's, oh. it, it, this is why everyone hates EA is, is the sports franchises. And, it's at the point now where EA doesn't even mess around with it. They're like, oh, we literally just copied last year's game with essentially nothing new. And, and every couple of years, they're throwing an update like, yeah, we added this new game mode or whatever. But you're paying $60 a year for roster updates. That's what you're paying for. Be honest. Yeah. And. <clears throat> even that, like, it's, it's, I actually think it's even gotten worse, especially with Madden. It's gotten to the point where the new iteration of the game is actually worse. Like, they try to fine tune, like, a singular mechanic without necessarily addressing any of the rest of the game. They end up creating glitches that never existed before, shit that just doesn't work, that doesn't make any sense. It's become less and less of a realistic football game over the last three or four years with. Only like, like that's what's crazy to me because it used to be well at least it's the same game maybe you get one additional feature and a roster update as much as I hated that that was almost worth it for me the hardcore sports and sports video game fan right like maintain it's... or slightly improve your quality and give me all the guys I didn't have last year it's crap but like you said it's there's no that there's no innovative spark there's no right. there's no artistry there right. All right, like video games growing up, the things you loved is you saw something you've never seen before. They did something super cool, even in in sports video games. MLB Slugfest. Yeah, hell yeah, I want to run down the first baseline and punch out the first baseman. I've never seen that in real life. Especially if it's Justin Turner. (laughs) I don't want to get near that that guy, to be honest with you. Actually, Actually, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'll, let's, I'll pay someone to punch out Justin Turner. I don't, <laughs> yeah, right, I don't right. want to do it. I don't want to get anywhere near him personally. <laughs> Good call. Good call. But, but no, I'm honestly like the lack of innovation in the sports games is really. It's become frustrating, and really, it's because it's just a non, a non-competitive market. 
And if you're a game developer, why would you try to invest in competing with EA when people are just, though, you know, there are alternatives. I mean, there's pro evolution soccer exists. People are still buying FIFA. This is, here's the thing though. It's not a fair fight. It's closer with soccer, but with the major North American leagues, EA has exclusive rights with the leagues. And that's the worst decision possible for the sports video game industry is that all the leagues agreed to exclusively be with EA. When that wasn't the case and they were selling, they were selling their rights around. You had Midway had Blitz and NHL hits and Slugfest. You had the adrenaline sports games, which I talk about all the time. And then you, you also had the other realistic Sims, you know, you had, it's funny because like the franchise that survived, is the 2K games, yeah, uh, the, the NBA, NBA 2K games, yeah. and NBA Live was the franchise that just disappeared. It was so bad it disappeared, and nobody seemed to give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> and <Right>. then, <clears throat> but then, you know, the, the, the NHL 2K games, anybody will tell you that if you played the NHL 2K games back in the early 2000s, they were really good. They were a lot of yeah. fun. I preferred them to the EA NHL series. And yeah, Madden, I mean, part of what made Madden so good is that it had to compete. Yep. Yeah. Because in the early 90s, you had the, you had like the, the Brett Favre, you had like Joe Montana football, right? And then NFL you had like the game Brett game. Favre, like, yeah, you had NFL game day. And then you had like the pro quarterback series. Like there were things that, that Madden had to compete with. It had to be good. Yeah. It had to be better all the time. And you know, and now this, they have an exclusive license. Everybody hates it, but everybody buys them because they feel like they have to play their sports games well, every and, year. And this you is know? competing with another company is so much better than competing with a deadline. When right. when the only thing EA is competing with is having the sports game out as soon as possible. What happens? They cut content. End of story. To right. get the game out in a state that is sellable and that's it. It, they don't care. They may be planning on something and they say, Oh, well we can implement that in next year's game or down the line somewhere or, or whatever. And they just need to get the game out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Cause like the, the be a pro stuff was such a huge innovation. It was. And it appealed to all of us because we all make, let's be honest. In every one of those sports games growing up, we all made ourselves as players. Yeah. And drop yep. them into and drop them onto franchises. It was way more fun to work up to that ninety nine all overall instead yeah. of just being like, "Well, I'm a ninety nine overall monster that does everything at the highest level possible. No human has ever been this great." Yeah, <laughs> it was way more fun. And then and then like they implemented it, and then they were like, "See you in ten years when we try and tweak it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Uh... Stuff it, it, it really does. As talking, I was thinking about the, um, the the pro wrestling industry and the way it was unequivocally at its height. WCW was battling WWF back then, and there was very real competition. And they were losing in the ratings for the first time ever. And they had to innovate, do different stuff. And then they ran those guys out of business. And for a decade, their ratings plummeted, and they didn't innovate. They did and boring ass patterns and now there's a new kid on the block they got a show on tnt 
they're innovating and doing stuff and suddenly all of it's better again it's like it's not even complicated it happens almost immediately when yeah. someone puts that pressure on you to just there's one alternative if people don't like your thing they can look at that thing and go oh i like this better and that's all it takes and it, and it's it really sucks that like yeah so i don't, I don't know what the answer is here cuz MLB the show they they do a mostly pretty good job but they're starting to fall into a lot of these patterns as well where you know they're confident in the core gameplay that they have and they don't update uh and tweak things and the game has gotten really out of balance in terms of its most uh popular modes and and becoming more of a pay to play thing again where it's like I love that they've introduced the legends of baseball into the game over the last couple of years. But now if you want to yeah. play competitively in the best mode that they have, you basically have to have a lineup of Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, uh, you know, Albert Pujols, uh, Lou Gehrig, yeah. and Mickey Mantle. And if that's not your team, you can't compete. And the only way to get that team is to either spend your life playing the game or spend your life savings playing the yeah, game. I, I mean, that's you guys say we have to spend more on video mode. games, but – they have you buy the $60 game and on day one for MLB, the show, you got to drop a hundred dollars on stubs to, to even be competitive. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, to, to be honest with you, I don't mind microtransactions, but there needs to be a balance. You can't yeah. be given, you can't be charging me $60 for a game that you're going to fill with microtransactions at every turn. I, I like the fact that you can avoid them entirely. Like if you just don't play those game modes, I don't play the ultimate team game modes. I don't think I don't think they're very cool. I don't I don't have very much fun with them. They just simply don't appeal to me. So the microtransaction thing doesn't bother me. I also don't mind that it's a way for developers to make money on their games after they release them right. instead of instead of garbage DLC, which they held back from including in the original game specifically for it to be DLC. We got the world of microtransactions. Uh, I, I, I'm fine with microtransactions for things like cosmetics. Skins. Yeah. yeah, aesthetics are perfect for microtransactions. Pay to win is garbage. Player power behind money that isn't in the upfront costs feels terrible. You, yeah. I, I just want to know what I'm going to pay for the entire game up. Up front, I want to be able to play the whole game at whatever price point it is. If that's $120, it's $120. But I don't want to pay 60 and then find out, oh, there's 15 bucks here, there's 15 bucks there, here's another 30. Like that's what sucks, whether it be DLC, microtransactions, or whatever. Says a dude who has spent a lifetime playing World of Warcraft. Yeah, but I know the price going in there. I know it's gonna be 15 bucks every month. I there's no hidden surprise of what the price is when they release the new hot thing and I have to pay another 30 bucks. And then you have to pay 15 a month because <laughs> well, I mean that's yeah. And, and and but I'm I'm with you, AJ, in that like especially when they're optional it's like yeah i don't i don't mind game companies making money off of their games that people are willing to pay that that, that people are willingly you know handing over i i do think it it sucks when it starts to impact the core gameplay but the the rest of the stuff like i'm totally fine with it um as long as they're honest about it and like rudo said it's just unfortunate that i i feel like too often uh, you know, they're, they're not honest about it, but 
there has to be a way of recouping the costs. It's it's something that uh, I think fans just really don't want to talk about, but it's really, really expensive to make video games too. So as much yeah. as we want all these, we want them to pay people more and we want the hours to be a little bit more fair and we want higher quality of stuff. It's like, it's just really expensive and it's only getting more expensive and to make these games. This is why I don't mind games that delay because most of the time when a game delays, the studios, maybe not their public facing announcement is, is fully honest, but everybody knows they're essentially saying, Hey, this game isn't ready. Yeah. And we're going to delay it and make it more ready than it is right now. So getting into, and specifically into the cyberpunk delay, what do you get done with 21 more days? I, I wondered about that too, but I mean, because a four month not. delay, like when they, when they delayed it from the summer into November, I like that screamed to me. That was, we're polishing this. This is mostly done. We're just making sure that this is going. We have talked up this game like it is going to be the greatest thing ever made. So we want to make sure that it, it gets polished, that we go through an in-depth QA process, and this thing rocks. What are you doing with a 21-day delay? That, so, that makes me nervous. Like something's broken, and they're rushing to fix it. I What their announcement said is that they have concerns about testing this on nine different platforms, that being all the current and next-gen consoles, as well as PC, Stadia, and some other random-ass thing. Right. But I, I'm not super concerned about it, because I think it's mostly that they had their testing environment, and they made everything work <laughs> in the first delay, and now it's just making sure to work out the kinks with each specific console. PC, whatever situation. Um, but I do think you bring up a good point where if you're going to delay the game, shouldn't you just delay it? Like give yourself enough time to finish it with the first delay instead of these companies where you see, oh, it's delayed. Oh, it's delayed again. Oh, we're delaying it for the sixth time. <laughs> why at, what, at some point like you kill how, your own boss. right yeah. how poor are you at projecting how long it's going to take you to build your own damn game like right well and and Ouroboros puts another uh topic on the table that i think is related to that too which is all the marketing that goes into it and all the yeah. promising that goes into all the stuff and all the events that we have and this, this is one of my things across entertainment mediums i just I am fully of the opinion that we know way, and I'm one of these people too. I'm not claiming to be separate from it. We just know way too much about everything before it comes out. Wait, I've stopped trailers following game, game development was, for this reason. Yeah. Like movie trailers. I, I honestly believe this and we're not going to get into the whole debate right now, but I, I believe that movie trailers killed Batman versus Superman, Dawn of justice, that it wasn't as much the stuff that happened in that movie. I know, I know but I am fully of the mind. Imagine if people had no idea that Wonder Woman was even going to be in that movie. Do you think they would have responded to it exactly the same way, especially when she shows up and does all this stuff? Now, all the same problems would still be there, but tell me that wouldn't have had a different emotional impact. If they the had, would still be bad, bro. It would still be bad. You give away the reveal of the most important character in the movie in a trailer you're ruining any emotional impact that could possibly have from people sitting there actually watching it 
in the theater. Well, um, particular movie or not, we do stuff like that all the time, whether it's movies, games, shows, like there, it, it's way too much. You think about to, to use this to, to use this as a springboard. You think about Mass Effect Two. They didn't tell you Garrus was going to be in that game, right? He just showed up. He was. They talked about the Archangel, and you were like, "Who is this dude that's killing these gang members?" And then when you show up, and Garrus walks out with his face all bloodied up and shot up, and you're like, "That's my guy." You got super excited about it. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, I love movie trailers, but there, there are definitely movies where you no longer need to watch them because yep. you watch the trailer where you're like, "Got it." That was the beginning, the middle, and the end. Sweet, I'm out. Thanks. <laughs> you just saved me two and a half hours. It's, it's a tough balancing act. And yeah. look, you gotta hype, your, you gotta hype right. your stuff. Established franchises can totally get away with it. We talked about that a little bit earlier, where part of the problem is a lot of these game franchises, once they get bought up by these bigger, greedier companies, is they live on credit and they're just like, We slapped this name on an actual turd and people will buy it. It's fine. But on the other side of the coin, if you're a new company developing a new game how do you get your stuff out there without giving away all your secrets yeah right. i mean it's a balancing act it's like yeah. it's like when we're hyping something you know you know rudo you know that we're trying to do something on the abs pod right now that's if it works out will be really really cool for our fans and yep. we haven't talked about it yet because we're still in the baby stages of it but like when when we start to get concrete details and we start to nail a few things down, we think Avs fans are going to be really excited about it. We want to hype it up without giving the game away. Yep. Yeah. It's hard to do. Like it's a hard balancing act to to accomplish. Right. And you know now we we've got E3 and Tokyo Game Show. Now every company has their own you know event to come to and and check out all of our stuff. And you know, we're promising. Release dates. There are also certain tight windows too that create these problems where it's it's not just a matter of, hey, they promised the game was going to be out a certain time. There's a huge difference between being able to release your game on December 24th or 25th and being able to release your game on January 4th. Uh, there's a massive difference for these companies and how much money they'll be able to make. And so it's, you know, I get it, but there's there's a lot of just overpromising and overselling, and and you like you said, you have to because you have to hype people up to buy your product. So I don't I don't know what the answer to this is either, you know, the 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 Final Fantasy 7 remake got in a certain amount of trouble for false advertising which they almost had to do because otherwise they would have given away the end of their own game. <laughs> it's like you can't tell people this is a remake but actually there's a twist. <laughs> and not you know so they had to advertise it as something it technically maybe isn't but i would argue that in that case misleading advertising is better than this gigantic oversell or these other things that that sometimes you know were the overpromising or the giving away way too much in your teasers or in, info yeah. dumps or whatever it's a tough 
balancing act too, though, right? Because AJ and I say this all the time about the NHL and the trade deadline. Deadline spur action. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, yep. if you say you're going to do something, if you put a hard deadline on when the game's going to be done, there are definitely people that are going to work harder to make that happen. Yep. So, I mean, think about how we built our draft coverage internally. Yep. You and I, you and I sat down what was it, 3 days after the Avs were eliminated and yep. came up with an entire schedule on how we wanted to how we wanted to do it and you and I gave ourselves internal deadlines. We said it doesn't matter how hard we have to work, we have to have these things done by this day. Yep. Because we don't want to be we don't want to be morning of the draft to be scrambling trying to finish certain things. Right. We wanted to be done with our side of stuff and we were completely done, but we set hard deadlines to make that happen. Yep. We were honest with ourselves and said okay, we need to do these. These are the things that we have to get done. And we have to put all of the hours in to make sure that this is what happens. And when you're getting into the game devs, you know, they have the, the lead time on their projects. I mean, you're talking 18 Years. months yeah. they give yeah. they give themselves here where it's like, all right, well, we need to have these schedules and these schedules. And this is where I would I would love, you know, for the for us from the gaming pod side of this. I'd love to get a hold of one of these guys to get a hold of a, a de- one of the devs and be like, hey, come talk to us about this. Yeah, come tell us your point of view from this. I'd love to hear about their their experiences with Crunch and what the what the actual schedule looks like for them and how the, some of these companies can consistently end up in these situations. Now, obviously, like right before something big happens, everybody's always going to be scrambling around trying to get a bunch of work done, trying to trying to make sure everything is finished and perfect, and you're worried about it. That's inevitable, but. 10 straight months of 18 hour days, something's gone terribly wrong. There's a difference between last minute scrambling on a game that you're going to release and might have some bugs and uh, releasing a completely unfinished game. Right. Massive, massive difference between those two. Uh, Right. And, you know, when, when industry standard. Yeah. What's that? The, the the crunch, like you said, the mass, it, it, and it would be another thing if it was like, hey, every once in a while this happens, or it happens for even a week or two, as opposed to the, the days or two and here and there. But now it really has become industry standard. It's basically yeah. expected that you're going to go into these crunches. And that's, that's exploitation, again, of the thing we we're talking about before, the fact that there's always going to be more people who want to work in video games yeah. than there are people get to work in video games just like there's always going to be more people who want to work in sports than who get to work in sports but that doesn't mean that the people who work in sports or the people who work in video games should therefore be exploded and pay exploded <laughs> they shouldn't be exploded either but they shouldn't be exploited and paid less than what they're worth and at the same time part of part of the way that you stay working in an industry that's really hard to get into yeah. is that you go to the mat for your project right you know, right. it's, it's, no it's, way a, around it's a brutal cycle because at some point you're going to have to do it. Yeah. Like at some point you're going to get into this job and it's not like, oh, hey, the off, it's hockey off season. You know, now I get to just chill and all I have to do is an hour of podcast a day and that's it. And I, you know, I got 23 hours a day to do whatever the hell I want. Sounds you know, nice. like there's still yeah. there's still things going on. But then during the season, it's like. It's go time. 
you gotta be, you gotta be willing to, you know, you, you wake up at, you wake up at 9 a.m. and you go to Pepsi Center for morning skate. I'm sorry, Ball Arena, and for morning skate, you're there until 1 p.m. You get home, you do a little bit of writing, and then, you, all right, you got to four hours later, you're heading back to Ball Arena for for the game. You cover the game, you do the writing, you get home. It's 2 a.m. You got to get up and be at Family Sports Center at 10 a.m. for practice. And it's like this every single day, 13 straight days you do this thing. Yeah. And that's the job. Like it's just it just doesn't end. You right. know, when I, I, I do laugh when they're like, Oh, we work through the weekends and I, I kinda laugh because I'm like, What the hell is a weekend? Yeah, right, sure. You right. know, because in our in in our industry, like yep. the weekend the weekend matters to us specifically because it means we aren't doing a podcast on Saturday or Sunday. Not like scheduled. But if there's Except a game, we are. <laughs> if there's a game, if there's a trade, if there's something that happens, we're doing one. Yep. It doesn't yeah. matter. And that doesn't mean that we're not, we can skip the one on Thursday. It just means we're also doing one on a Saturday or a Sunday if it's a back to back. Yeah. You know, like, and, and that's like, this isn't me complaining. This is me saying that's the life. Yep. That's the, that's the dedication to what you're doing every single day. And some of these devs, I kind of just want to tell them to shut up. I I get yeah. that crunch sucks. I get that. I get that. That like being taken advantage of like that is balls. But at the same time, like sometimes this is just what it takes to do to be in that industry. You know, when you're working a customer service job for eight hours a day, and you're one of five thousand faceless employees you're not important enough to have to work that hard. Whatever you're doing can be done by, and by anybody else. Whenever your shift ends, it just sucks. It's just, it's different. But when you're in this industry or, or, or the game, it's really content creation. When you're, when you're making something right, you've got to get it done. Like making stuff is hard. Yeah. I, I think the, the most difficult element of it for me, you know, is when it is these, game companies that then will make hundreds of millions of dollars on a single product that they release. Right. So it's like, it's one thing for me to be like, Hey, the Rockies had one day off in August. So I had one day off in August. Uh, yeah. That said, you know, DNVR isn't exactly raking in hundreds of millions of dollars and just not shuffling any of that my way. And so that's, that's where, you know, you, you got to wonder about like it, EA's sure. got money to pay these people better than they're paying them. Probably. So well, and and really, like EA is not one of the ones that we hear about on the same level. You know, right. uh, for, or, to be honest, we're talking we're talking about EA a lot today, but like yeah, it's they're bad. Like they're 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 more of a publisher than a developer, and like right. that's a whole other problematic existence. Right. Yeah. When right. publishers set the deadlines, and yeah, developers just have to meet them. Full stop. Like this is this is why EA is notorious for releasing broken games is because they set deadlines and they're like, all right, good luck. And then developers are like, that's you guys don't, you guys don't make games. You have no yeah. idea what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so correct. More, more like you know the C- CD project Reds and yeah, and it's and Naughty Dogs. Like those are the companies where it's like those are the companies that are coming under fire for this. 
because they've made some great games. They've built great reputations as studios and as developers, but because of these things that are starting to come out, it's like, look, we're tired. We don't want to do this. It was great for the first project, but that's how you see these project leads coming in and out. You know what? You know, they don't, they don't stay the same. Um, and and again, maybe I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit too much here. But I, I, one of the things was to just put it this way: you know, those of us who were in on the ground floor at, at BSN from the very beginning, you know, we we have a certain investment in the company. We have yeah. a personal reason to want to see the company grow. I would love to see if you know if these the higher end the the people who are really developing the games, the the the, the people most responsible for creating them if they could just have some bit of how much they're paid tied to how well the game does the same way yep. that we knew how well dnvr actually was going to do that if we put in all this hard work at some point it was going to pay off and that was going to get back to us because we are literally invested in the company and the company is literally invested in us yes yeah. And so I almost feel like if these top developers, like if you work at Naughty Dog and you release a game like The Last of Us and you did have to go through all this crunch, I, I can buy AJ's point from earlier 100%. If like, hey, give me 0.5% of what The Last of Us brings in because if it's super popular and I'm the person who you know was most responsible for the things that made it popular, 100% of the profit shouldn't go to the company that forced me to work all of these hours. Yeah, and they don't. I know that they give most of these developers. I know certainly Naughty Dog does it. Uh, they give out bonuses based on game sales. Yeah, and that that comes back to them. And then you know they they've they've spent four years making this game, and then they get three months off, and the bonuses trickle in, and it's supposed to all come back to them on the back end. The problem, the problem that a lot of the de- the developers have been having, the the guy, the, the boots on the ground have been having, is that it's not worth it to them. And they get that, like they get yeah. that bonus, they they get that check. It's all good and well, even that is nice. But then they turn around and they're like, "Do I want to spend the next four years doing this again?" Yeah. You know, because when you're 20, 25 years old, you're out of college, you're making this great game, you're going to be part of gaming history. You're going to make this thing. Your name's going to be on it forever. You're a single dude. It's easy to do, right? right. But when you get in, when, when okay, you've, so you've, spent, married. <laughs> you've spent five years working on that project. That's one thing. You get that bonus. You're not yeah. working. You're not working 18 hours a day. You dare to socialize a little bit. You socialize some. You meet a QT pie, and then you guys go out on a date. You guys do boy-girl things or, you know, whatever. Sounds and then... Like- and then you end up, you know, you end up procreating. Now you've got a family. Oops. You're not going to be spending 18 hours a day on the next project. You know, like the world is just different. And 30K ain't going to pay for diapers either. You're straight up. Yeah. So it's like, what do you, you know, how do you balance those things? Because like you make 30K and then you do the bonuses on the back end. That salary doubles. Great. That salary doubled at the end of the project. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting how that works out and how it breaks down, but it's you know, for a lot of these people, just the grind of what it what it takes to make these these triple A games, it just it it's not worth it for them. And it's hard to keep talented people in an industry 
when you can't improperly incentivize them to, to keep them around. You, th- you think about uh, the guys who made uh, Diablo 2 ended up being the same guys who bailed out Marvel Heroes after that disaster of a launch. They were the ones who reshaped uh, Marvel Heroes. Game was awesome. Game ended up being really good. It made a decent amount of money. Then, you know, then the studio closed and everything fell apart. Those dudes aren't even in the industry anymore. They just bounced. You're talking about guys who have made massive marks on the industry. Not even a part of it anymore. Those dudes just left. And it's like, how do you properly incentivize that level of talent? It's one thing to have like a developer that's just, you know, a guy, a guy that's working on a pro, you know, he's in, he's in charge of, you know, quest design or something, just some random job on a, on a game. Who's just like, you know, this isn't worth it to me. And then he bounces. But if even people at the highest levels are just like, this isn't worth it. Like Halo Infinite's project lead just left. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that is like a dream job. Yeah. In the gaming industry to do that. Like that's like a that's like a GM quitting halfway through a season because he's yeah. like, F this. Yeah. It's... Who's the football player that quit at halftime? Who re- who took off his jersey and retired at halftime? Yeah. Vontae but... Davis or something like that. That's it. Yes, Vontae yeah. Davis. <laughs> just quit. I mean, he was just done. Yep. That's, Sorry, it's, no, it's it's tough. It, it's legitimately hard when you have people like quitting jobs like that, jobs that they should love, even if it is a lot of work. There's it. It certainly seems like there's a problem there, and the problem is, I think it, it feels like there almost is no alternative when it comes to AAA games because every modern AAA game, there's stories about this, yeah. dating all the way back to like Halo there are stories on stories about teams that are going through insane crunch. Their workload is absurd. And to some extent you get, all right, that's fine. And then you hear about trigger almost killed a couple of, yeah. And it's just insane (laughs) work. And, and then what, what kills me, no pun intended is not only was the workload insane. Then you hear about all the stuff that got cut from the game that didn't make it because the deadline was so hard. Right. right, and you think about you think about the stuff you're like, I'd have waited an extra year for that. Yep, right for sure. Right, like, that would have been awesome. Yeah, uh, the entire extra Final Fantasy 15 had a whole extra game cut from it. <laughs> like, well, that Probably for been the cool. best. Yeah, I mean it's it was huge enough as it was, and that game is still dope. But when you hear about the stuff that got cut out, you're like. We would have waited. We had already been waiting eight, I, I think literally eight years for that one. Well, and at that point, you're like, just just do what you want to do. Whenever, it's man. it's just know. the whole industry is so weird. One of the most popular mods for all of the recent Bethesda games is called Cutting Room Floor, where they just go into the game files and put the half-finished stuff back in the game. Mm-hmm. And they're like, here, look at this. This would have been cool, huh? That's awesome. I wonder what like like a company like Valve seems like they get everything into their games because they're they're like the Daniel Day Lewis of video games. They only show up once every six years. They everything's amazing, and they're just like, ah, we had no problems. Here's something awesome. We'll see you guys next time. Valve, <laughs> you just never make a third in any title, and you're fine. 
You know, it's so funny. I was Gorga and I, Gorga and I were talking about Left 4 Dead 3 and how they took so much flack because Left 4 Dead was really popular. People devoured it was super fun. Yeah. And then they made Left 4 Dead 2 like a year later. And people were like, This is Left 4 Dead 1.5. And they were like, Oh yeah? Okay. (laughs) And they just and now it's like now it's like Left 4 Dead 3. There's there's starting to be some news about it where it's like, oh, this is actually in the works. And they were like, You guys said we did the last one too fast. We'll wait. Love it. <laughs> it's the answer, right? Like just take a little bit of time and make your shit good. Yeah. Does that cover it? <laughs> And, and try to pay people a little better. All right. Yeah, I mean, really, like, the, to be honest, like, I, I, I get that I'm, like, the Nintendo fanboy, but they're, I say that they're the best game developer because they just don't miss. Like, their yeah. AAA titles are fantastic. They deliver. Like, Breath of the Wild is a masterpiece. Yeah. You know, you look at you look at all of the 3D Marios that they've made over the years, and they're freaking incredible. Like they're just they're so good. They and what they do is they they make games with a certain attitude, they have a certain identity as a company, they stick to it, and they take the time. When have you ever played a Nintendo developed game and been like, Boy, this was this feels unfinished. This is really rushed. Right. They just don't they just don't put themselves in that position. And I don't understand why Rockstar is kind of the same way. Rockstar is one of my favorite developers because you know what you're getting. They do one thing. They do it better than anybody else and they do it right. Well, and, and, and it's you like, know what? like, where Nintendo have you guys and been? Rockstar, like, uh, and, and I would throw square in there as well. And I think one of the things all those companies have in common is um, a continuity of leadership. Like there's been pe- people come and leave companies like that. That happens. But you look yeah. at the leadership groups like Shigeru Miyamoto runs Nintendo. He has for a very long time. And he's got the same group of very trusted advisors around him. And they set the standard. And that standard is followed. That's the same thing with Yoshinori Katase at Square. He's been there since the early 90s. And they have a certain standard. And you meet that standard. And if you don't, you know, at least on their AAA titles, they're not releasing broken stuff. And it's yeah. uh, Rockstar does the same but thing. Bethesda. Third. Bethesda, and and they all have these. They, like, Bethesda releases they broken crap constantly. all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about some of the few major companies that it feels like they still have some passion for their product. It's not about the dollar at the end of the day. For well, these they companies. know they're going to make the money eventually. Right. They, they, they know, know it. Be fine, but it. yeah. So they build shit that they actually want to make instead of. EA telling another company that they just bought to go print them money instead of making a fun video game. Right. 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 And, I mean, and that's, I that's, that's, that's how you end up with those Battlefront games, dude, where it was just Yeah, like, we talked about this when you were gone. Yeah, yeah, the, the Battlefront games. They were games. so bad, man. It's like, it, Bethesda's the, the great example of the company that used to do it right and then just stopped when everybody left. Yep. Like, not everybody, but... You know that when they, it stopped being about the people that make the games and just the name on the front, and yeah, but did you know you can play Skyrim on your refrigerator? 
Well, and it's like they've done the same thing with Skyrim, but like you look at uh, what Rockstar has done with uh, GTA Five. It's seriously, you're telling me this is going to be a launch title eight years after it was right. released? For the PS5. <laughs> yeah, right. What? Uh, that stuff is... Squad, yeah. yo, Squadrons does look good. I will give it the credit. that The game does look solid. I mean, they're not all going to be bad, right? I, I see me pointing out some of the, you know, the square development failures over the last little while. They're, they're, you're not going to hit on every single one of them. And all of those games turned into successes. Like, you're not going to have development processes that, that don't go through some hurdles. The fact that they tried to create a, a system that didn't work and spend a lot of money on it, like that sucks. Uh, but what they didn't do was release a broken game with that system. They just scrapped the system. They ate the costs. They delayed all those games. The only broken game they've ever released was Final Fantasy XIV, which then they had the temerity, the audacity. Uh, imagine another company doing this. They blew that game up and remade it from scratch. And now it's probably the most popular. No, it is actually just by the numbers, the most popular MMO in the world. And that's pretty amazing. Like to just imagine accepting your failure to that extent that you don't just go, ah, well, people are going to pay for it anyway. So we'll just make money on this crap product. They blew it up. They took it away. They started over from scratch and made it one of the, standards of its own genre like that's that's an impressive thing for a company to decide to do in this age where and eh, just let people play a broken game because they're going to pay for it anyway i mean how many times does blizzard have to cancel a starcraft game that's not an rts not even real yep <laughs> sons of bitches <laughs> right you know one of my one of my favorite developments one of my favorite game development stories was um, recently one of the Nintendo guys was talking about they sh- when they showed Breath of the Wild to Miyamoto, and he spent an hour just climbing trees. Yep. Like, guys just wired differently, and it's and it's why like, and and what's one of the greatest things about Breath of the Wild? It's the movement in it, mechanical. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the feel of the game as you interact with the world around you. It's amazing. And I just, you're not going to be able to convince me that Nintendo isn't the best game developer in the world. No, yeah, they almost certainly are. Shigeru Miyamoto is probably the biggest reason why. When you have an unquestioned genius who that also- guy's going to die someday. I know. I don't, and I'm it's like, like that. this is going to be this. We're going to have to have the saddest emergency pod ever. I know. I know. He's just. The absolute best. Just, just the, the his his approach to game design is is what it feels like it should be. Be creative, have fun, come yeah. up with cool ideas, and execute them. Yeah, I think that's I a think good we're as good for today. Yeah. yeah, I think that's as good a place as any to to cut that one off. I'll hail Shigeru Miyamoto. Uh, If we want game development to be better, everyone try to be a little bit more like him. Thanks, everyone, for listening in to this episode of the DNVR Gaming Podcast. Going to try to get back to regular weekly episodes of this. Again, apologies for the delays there. Make sure you're drinking your Strava Craft Coffee and your Breck Brew while you're playing WGT Golf on your phone because, you know, whenever you help out our sponsors, you're helping us out. Again, WGT Golf is totally free at dnvrgolf.com. Super popular, super fun. 
can play it anywhere, standing in line at the bank, uh, getting really into it, whatever you want to do, download it for free on your phone or on your computer. Hang out with us next week where we'll be talking more games. And again, make sure you're subscribed to the DNVR.com so that you get all of our sports content. Make sure you're following everybody on social media, all that good stuff. Thank you all for listening into this episode, and we will see you next time.